Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 126 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 27th of July 2014, entitled The Genesis Account, Part 3. And the Bible reading is taken from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to chapter 2, verse 3. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand to honour the reading of God's precious and holy word, beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth. The gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. The earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness 
And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. To every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your word that we have before us, for the time that we have to share together in it today, Lord, we just pray that you would take and anoint thy servant, speak to our hearts, give each one that is needed in this day, in this hour. We give you all the praise and thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. I remind you of the passage in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20 and 21. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. We've been looking the last few weeks at the Genesis account, asking those big questions. Where did we come from? How did it all begin? And so as we began to look at this, we looked at some of the oppositional views that the world has, and we really said that in some way, some shape or form, everybody has to believe in creation of some sort. It's just really a question of whether they believe in spontaneous creation or life created itself spontaneously on the spur of the moment in some big bang or whatever or whether we believe in supernatural creation. And we began to look at those things and some of the, the differences that are there. And of course, as we moved on, we talked about some of the various views that, that people have. But, you know, men can have all the views that they want. But the truth is, is that God's view is the one that matters. We've been using as, I guess, a, a very important thought in these sermons that we've looked at, Proverbs, or Psalm 11.3, which says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And then we've read a couple times from Matthew chapter 7, 
For Jesus gave us those words, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will like him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Why? It was founded upon Jesus. It was founded upon what he said. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So we said that the book of beginnings, the Genesis account really is the foundation. It is the book of beginnings. It's where the building of the Word of God in our lives, it's where it all began. That's why, that's what Genesis means, is book of beginnings or means beginnings or origins. So we looked last week at that the Genesis account is really foundational to where we began our whole series on contending for the faith. That is the authority of God's Word. I made a very simple statement that if it, the Word of God, is authoritative at all, then it is authoritative in all. We can't take and pick and choose. Either it is authoritative or it is not. We take it for what it says, or how can we trust anything that it says? So we looked last week the authority of God's Word and how important that is and how important the book of Genesis is in that. As we begin to continue to look today, I want us to turn our attention back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. You see, if the Genesis account is where the authority of God's Word begins, if it's where the foundation is laid for that authority throughout the rest of Scripture, then once that authority is established, if we're taking God's Word for what it says as the authority, which is the only solid ground we can build upon, then may I say to you that it is also the beginning and the foundation for the assertion of God's existence. The very assertion that God is there in the beginning, God, is the way the Word of God begins. In the beginning, God. What beginning? What does that beginning there actually signify? Well, he defines it for us. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning of the heaven and the earth, in the beginning of the universe as we know it, in the beginning of life as we know it, in the beginning of all that makes up this material, though temporal world that we live in and that we see, the beginning of all that we can see as we look through those powerful telescopes and, and look out through the heavens at the universe. The Bible says in the beginning, in the beginning when all of this did not exist, in the beginning of when this came into being, God, 
God was the one that was there. You see, isn't it interesting that the Bible makes absolutely no attempt to defend God, to explain God in any way. The existence of God is asserted as a fact that is not even questionable. It is a fact that must be accepted and believed by faith. In the beginning, God, in the Genesis account, in this book of beginnings that is given to us by God, God was already there. Now, many things could be said, but the foundation is laid right there in the very first verse of the Bible for a God that is eternal in existence, that was already there before anything else was, that was omnipotent in power. In the beginning, God created, God brought into existence all else that is in the heavens and the earth. He is that first cause that man so desperately seeks for in his theories but cannot find. He is the creator of everything, of all that exists. We see the existence of a personal living God, not just some superpower, not just some force out there, but a personal living holy God. And much more, even the name in which he's called here, in the beginning God, Elohim, of course, in that Hebrew term, Elohim, the I am that that word ends with, it makes it a plural. But that plural, in the beginning, God, plural, created singular verbs. People would begin to scratch their heads. Now, how, how could that make sense? How could you have a plural noun with a singular verb? Surely somebody messed up. A plural God acting as a singular God? <laughs> See, I'm saying even in the very first words that comes from the authority of God's word, the very first verse in the Bible, the foundation is laid for the triune God, three gods, but one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right there, the first word that ever introduces him as God is used in a way that lays the foundation for much teaching that would come later. In the beginning, God created. The first verse in the Word of God. The first verse in this book of beginnings. When it is asserting the existence of an eternal God that is responsible for the act of creating everything that exists in the entire universe, does so by asserting that in a way that lays the very foundation for many of the doctrines that would later be expounded upon concerning our God. Yes, including even the doctrine of the Trinity. 
one God in three persons creating everything that exists. That is a fundamental doctrine of Scripture that is supported throughout the Word of God. But it finds its beginning, its foundation right here in the very first verse that's spoken. We see in the very next verse that it was the Spirit of God. He says, And the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So we see God, God the Father, but God in His fullness as they triune God, creating everything that exists in the universe. We see the Holy Spirit of God moving upon the face of those waters. And of course, those familiar words in the Gospel of John chapter 1, which began with those same words in the beginning. What beginning? The same beginning. But you see, Genesis 1-1 starts from the beginning of everything that exists, and it brings us forward as to everything that God created and how he created it from there. In the beginning, in John 1-1, goes reversed before anything else existed. He said, in the beginning was the Word. It was already there, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made you see, if it were not for the foundational truth in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3 wouldn't make any sense. If there was just one singular God doing an act, but we realize that as hard as it is for us to grasp, the Genesis account begins with the assertion of God's existence, and that existence being one God, eternally existent in three persons. We looked at that fundamental doctrine very early in this series. The point here is that the foundation for that fundamental doctrine has its beginning in the Genesis account and it must be contended for It's part of that faith that was once for all delivered to us. You can't have the faith that we've got and not accept God for who he is in his triune being. You see, that one single verse of Scripture, the very first verse that's there, separates Scripture from all of the productions of history, all of man's productions, all of his philosophies, all of his sciences, because the highest point that they can find, the highest point they can get to is that somehow it all happened by accident. They can only go to some kind of a, a big explosion that they don't know what caused it. They don't know where it came from, but they think it happened. And bang, all this was here. That's all they can do. They can't get any further because there's nowhere to go. Whereas we have the existence of an eternal, omnipotent, triune God 
creating and designing and bringing into existence everything that is. Say again, if the Word of God is authoritative at all, then it is authoritative in all, in everything that it says. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? There's some foundational truths that we cannot have destroyed. Two of those that have their grounding right here is the authority of God's word and the assertion of God's existence. We find another foundational truth, but I'm not going to try to go there today. I want to leave you with this tremendous thought that because of God's Word, because of the book of beginnings, because of the Genesis account, that the foundation is laid for the authority of God's Word, for everything that it says, we can either accept it or not. And I simply say to you folks, without meaning to be harsh, but just being honest, we either accept it in everything that it says or we forget it altogether. We close it, we put it on a shelf, because if you take away any authority, you can't take and just say, I want the things that I can understand. I'll accept the things that don't seem too hard. We either take what God says with all that he says, or we can't trust anything that he says. There is no in-between. There's too much today, even in Christendom, that are trying to explain away, and we will especially see that as we look at our next thought that we're going to be looking at, the absoluteness of God's creation. What does that word absolute mean? Complete. Perfect. Not mixed or adulterated with anything. Outright. We find that... God did it all, and he did it all himself, and he gets all the credit, and he gets all the accountability for it, but we find that once we've established the authority of God's Word, if we're going to accept what God's Word says to us, then it's in that very fact in the Genesis account that we see the assertion of God's very existence. That's where it all begins, that God is there. In the beginning, God. And then we'll move next time to create it, to what he did. But in the beginning, God. We have a God that was there, a God that planned it all, a God that planned for you. And I know that's, that's way, way, way bigger than your mind can really go. It's way bigger than any mind can go. That's why supposedly some of the Smartest people in the world have come up with their own ideas. They, do they really make sense? Do we really want to go there? And, of course, the problem is, is that because that there are many that say they accept the authority of God's Word, but in fact, they have tried to make God's Word fit something else that they want it to fit. They try to allow it to see or say something that is not what it clearly states. 
And we'll look at some of those things. You see, God is the beginning of everything. God was there when nothing else was. I know the age-old question, well, where did God come from if he was already there? Where did he come from? I don't know. I'm looking forward to asking him one day <laughs> because, you know, everything that I can see, you know, he was just always there. One day, I believe that we'll be able to ask him that question face to face, and he's the only one that can answer it for us because what he wanted his people to know here was that when they asked that question, where, where did all this begin? Where did we come from? Well, in the beginning, God, an eternal, triune, all-powerful God created the heavens and the earth, everything that's there. In the beginning, God did that for you. You have trouble grasping that? Well, in your human mind, you will never grasp it. But by faith, we can because, you see, the more we know of God, the more we realize that, boy, he's, he's bigger than our minds can go. He's, he's bigger than our imaginations can go. Why do we make it so hard? Because we don't grasp his full power, the full potential between, behind God and all that he is, all that he does. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I want to tell you something. If you sit back, because people cannot take the Genesis account for what it says, undermine and try to tear away the foundations of the authority of God's Word, you've got a sad road ahead of you in your Christian life. If you sit back and you see the foundation destroyed, for eternally existent, triune, all-powerful God that was already there that brought all this into being, then you have a pretty sorry road to travel if your God was not able to do that and did do that. Where do we go if the foundations of the very first verse of the Bible are destroyed and taken away because we can't grasp them and understand them. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, the Genesis account is so vital to us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to recognize and understand, Lord, that it's directly related to the beginnings, to the foundations of such great truths as the very authority of your word. If we don't have the authority of your word, then what word do we have except man's? Lord, I pray that you'd help us to grasp the importance for the assertion of your existence. You were there. You and your triunity. You with all the power of the universe to create, to bring into existence everything that is a personal, living God, not just some force, not just some 
intelligent design, not just some power, no matter how great that it may, may be, but a personal, living God, the person that created us. Father, I pray that you'll help us to grasp those things, to take them by faith, to stand strongly and firmly upon them, regardless of what science falsely so-called may oppose and try to stand against it and try to tear it down. Help us to stand firm, to contend for that glorious faith. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 